Welcome to PennPodcast.com with your co-host Nico Pingan of Pen for Hire NYC. Today we are joined by Max Scotty McGregor, author, speaker, coach. He co-founded Positive Masculinity, a project for heart-led masculine folks who want to create a transformative path for masculinity in our world and wrote the Amazon bestseller, Positive Masculinity Now a heart-led guide for growth toward a conscious, emotionally intelligent, and inclusive masculinity. Thank you so much, Mac, for being here today. Thank you, Nico. It's great to be with you. Perfect. And where are you calling us from? Seattle, Washington. Ooh, good old uh, Seattle. <laughs> now, uh, since yes. we, we have a limited amount of time, uh, how's the rain over there? <laughs> 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 you know it's pretty funny because i actually moved here don't hold this against me from florida in 2008 and i looked it up because everybody said oh the rain the rain you know watch out for the rain and i found out it actually rains more per square inch in florida oh. than it does in seattle because usually seattle gets these lighter misty rains that last all day florida mm -hmm. gets those you know those afternoon downpours like the sky is falling like chicken little and uh, and they last for about an hour. We call it happy hour in Florida. And then we go back out and finish our golf game or whatever, <laughs> or go back to the beach, you know, but it's over quick in Florida is the idea. It pours heavy fast here. It, it stays gray and rains all winter. Now I understand snowbirds. I never really understood them growing up in Florida. Mm -hmm. I thought it was crazy. But now that I live where it's gray four or five months of the year, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, no, that's that actually makes a lot of sense. I always, uh, whenever I think of Seattle, unfortunately, people don't hate me. I always think of Twilight whenever I think of Seattle, yes. uh, Seattle, and whenever they talk about how it's gloomy and whatnot. But other than that, let's get right on in it because we are here to talk about um, your creation process in the book. Mm, and first and yeah. foremost, one of the easiest things that we're going to ask is when you wrote the book what was your main drive what was your reason what gave you the desire to create this book well i had you know gone through watching the me too movement when it was in its height right mm. and i was watching all these conversations that people were having online a lot and some you know in my life hearing mm -hmm. mainly women talk about how the patriarchy and toxic masculinity had held them back. And I kept thinking to myself, why aren't many men and masculine people involved in this conversation? <laughs> Except for the few that were, you know, yelling and fighting back, or you're trying to take our masculinity away by talking about this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I didn't believe, you know, but I also thought, you know, this old fashioned idea of masculinity has also held us back as men. But nobody's talking about that. It's also hurt us and held us back, but nobody was talking about that except mm -hmm. some big time activists like bell hooks mm -hmm. who actually said the first victim of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity is young boys because mm -hmm. it teaches them to shut down their emotions. Right. And, and, you know, she has a, a, a great point there because that's part of what it does. And so I, I just brought, started bringing this conversation up. And I talked to a good friend of mine who I knew had had experience with toxic masculinity himself mm -hmm. because he was like a Kinsey scale six gay guy. And he grew up with a very toxic masculine father who belittled him all the time, put him down all the time. Mm 
Mm. He became he became a state track champion at his high school, and his dad wouldn't go watch him or cheer him on at a track meet because he told him that wasn't a man enough sport. That kind of thing all the time he put up with. So I called him and said, you know, I got this idea, buddy. Mm -hmm. I said, I know you have experience with this, and so do I in parts of my life. And I said, you know, what do you think about us starting a men's group where we actually create a safe space for guys to talk about this and how these old-fashioned versions of masculinity have held us back too and and how we could be a part of creating something healthier to move forward for all of us. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So, so we created this men's discussion group, mm-hmm. started it once a month, and we would tackle different subjects each, each month. And that's how we started this process. And him and I created lesson plans and subjects that we would tackle each month. Hmm. And basically that was the outline for our book was our lesson plans for the discussion group. Also, it it was already pretty much set in stone. You just pretty much took the, the lesson plans that you've been doing. uh, Was it like a couple of weeks, months, years? Oh No, no, no. It was like, it was like a year and a half before we started the book. Yeah. So whose, whose idea was to turn the lesson plans for your meetings into an actual book? It was my idea. Yeah. I thought we have to get this message out to more than just our group of guys in Seattle here that are working with us. I think this is really important stuff to talk about. And I think more guys in the world out there want to hear this and want to be a part of this. So I said, I think we need to publish a book. We need to write a book so we get this message out. And when you took, when you took together all the lesson plans and you, and you mashed them together, did you have like a, a specific order that you put them in? Or it was just like this brainstorming session that you just outlined everything and you were like, okay, it has to do with all this information. I'm not sure if this one goes at number one for chapter or if this one goes in the back. How did that yeah. brainstorming session, because you must have had a quite a lot of material to work with. Yeah, we did. We did. And, and I mean, we had some ideas that the beginning mm-hmm. needed to start with, you know, the basics of describing what the patriarchy and toxic masculinity is first defining it Mm -hmm. and defining how it has affected us as masculine people. Right. Because Mm -hmm. the world was already talking about how it affected women. And we know it's definitely held women back, but how has it affected us? And so we started, we knew it needed to start with that, but then there were all these other lesson plans, like how to create healthy masculine friendships, Mm -hmm you know, communication and, you know, all of this, uh, you know, mass masculinity in our careers, you know, there was just all these other aspects, masculinity and aging, you know, competition versus collaboration. We had all these things that we deep subjects that we talked about. So in that we just, you know, we knew how it needed to start, but we didn't know how to order all the rest of them uh, in that. In that, Matthew uh, at Pen for Hire helped me a lot as far as knowing how, you know, figuring out how to put them in order. Ah, okay. Because I was just about to ask you who helped you either edit or uh, complete the work because knowing how difficult it is to write, how it is to structure, how it is to make sense, because you can have like the best message possible, but 
if you're unable to like get it written in a cohesive manner where other people will understand that it won't just hit people. But with that said, did you, before you submitted it and gave it to Matthew, did you have like a, a draft or anything like that? Or did you just take together all the lessons plans and, and presented it? I took together the lesson plans and created kind of an outline and, and that's oh. how Matthew and I started. And then, yeah, I found Matthew, you know, I was looking for help because I had published many articles. Mm -hmm. I've written articles for the Huffington Post and for the Good Men Project for a lot of, of good publications, magazines and such. And, but, but writing a book is a different beast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I knew I needed some help with the formatting and understanding all of that about how to put a book together. So I was looking for someone to help me with that. And that's when I ran across Matthew and set up a, a consultation meeting with him and him and I really clicked and hit it off. Thank you for tuning in to the Pen Podcast produced by Pen for Hire. Do you struggle with finding affordable and reliable proofreaders? Are you tired of the AI software that doesn't always understand human language? Pen for Hire has an extensive network of professionals we can refer you to to help. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. And now when you went through the process of taking your original idea, lesson plan, continuous meetings, creating the outline, and then creating an actual tangible physical book, how did that make you feel? Well, first of all, it's a long beast of a project. <laughs> Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I did some writing and I did some recordings that we that we transposed. I did I did it in a few different ways because I've been a public speaker for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, you go through the editing process, which is a beast in itself, right? <laughs> And back and forth and back and forth. And I had weekly meetings with Matthew and then Matthew and Marissa, the, you know, one of the editors that works with him. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it was, it, it was about a year of a project of getting to the place where we were ready to publish. And oh. then of course you have to get a team to do your book cover and the whole, it, there's a lot to it. Right. <laughs> but once you get that product finished, there's just mm -hmm. this, there's both an excitement and it's both exciting and scary as hell at the same time. I right, 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 right. Because, you know, I've heard a lot of other authors I've talked to. I have a lot of friends that have published books as well that we talk about it. And they, you know, people compare it a lot of times to birthing a child and then you are getting ready to send it that kid out into the world it's like you're sending them off into college and it's kind of scary right because you don't yeah. know what the world's gonna do with it right at all right right <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's it's exciting it, it's it, you know there's definitely a feeling of accomplishment especially when you know that they the statistics say 80 some percent of the people in the world say they want to write a book one day and only one to two percent yep. ever finish it, ever actually do it, you mm -hmm. know. So that's that's a great feeling of accomplishment. But it's also very scary because you put your heart and soul into it and you put it out there for the world to take and do what they want with it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's actually that's a, actually a really good point that you bring up because you pretty much create something that, as you mentioned, is pretty much like your baby. People are, are going to, you know, judge a book by its cover for sure. 
They're going to judge the words as well as what message you're embodying in there. And so yeah. since you've already been a public speaker, do you think that it, it has an effect on, on your speaking roles, your speaking gigs, what you do outside of being an author? Do you think that there is a correlation, whether you were booked more times or your business has boomed because of the book that you created? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I've been known for a while as the gender sensei because I've been teaching gender issues, you know, for a while, talking about this kind of stuff for a while. And I honed mm -hmm. in on this, on masculinity in this mm -hmm. book. And, uh, and I think that once you write a book, people do look at you differently as an expert because they know it takes a lot of research. I mean, Right. I mean, right. you know, one of the things that Drew and I, my friend and I who started this, mm -hmm. he's since passed away. So he, he passed away at only 48 of cancer. And um, so I've dedicated the book to him and our friendship. But, you know, you, you do a lot of research, like every subject we would talk about in our group, every, everything that went into that outline, we did a ton of research on. Right, right. Like when we were, you know, discussing creating or fostering healthy masculine friendships, mm -hmm. we did a ton of research or what are the obstacles to that for men and masculine people? And what is a healthy friendship, right? What, what does it take to make a healthy friendship? I mean, there's a lot of research that goes into it. So it's not just, you know, pulling it out of your ass or anything like that. You actually do a lot of research, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Plus we had this group where we actually, an online presence where we actually got a lot of feedback from people on their thoughts mm. and feelings around it and what friendships in their life were monumental and why they're monumental, why they help them. You know, mm. I think there's nothing that replaces those personal experiences that people have about what makes a good friendship to you, you know, and how does that enhance your life? Like just taking that one subject for instance, which is a chapter in the book. Right. And, you know, I think that's so important to our health as, as people, it doesn't matter if you're masculine or feminine, having healthy friendships is, is something that has to do with our mental health, right? It's, it's good for us to have that. And so to learn how to be a better friend and how to foster healthy friendships is important. So my point is you do a lot of research. So people value then you as an expert in, in a different way than they did before you wrote the book. So do you become like a double, like, you double down on your expertise per se, not yeah. just because you wrote the book, but because you actually put in the time, the research, the back and forth, making sure yeah. that the message is concrete, making sure you're getting your, your data, your analytics, your facts, everything is lining up in accordance to, you know, what you're pushing out. And so it becomes a little bit easier for people to reach out and say, Hey, you wrote the book. You, you have all this uh, research. You've already done a lot of speaking prior to. So, of course, you'd be the yes. go-to. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, I think that it does double you down, you know, and it does make people feel more confident in reaching out to you. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's actually that's actually pretty intriguing because so many people have said that continuously, but it it doesn't hit until, like, you actually understand, like, uh, in the way that you mentioned it, because if you were already doing the work before even having a book, then having the book is like that sort of that stamp of certification, you know, giving you the 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 benefit of the doubt that you are the go to, you are the gender sensei, uh, the one that they should 
uh, be looking for in regards to whatever roles that they're asking you to do uh, because you've done the work. Whereas somebody else, they might have the book done, but they might not have all the hours put in. They might not have all mm. the previous, you know, research done. And, you know, just as you mentioned, the book started with all the lesson outline, lesson yes. plans that you've done. And just that in, in and of itself is, is pretty, pretty, pretty steep in regards to the amount of, of volume of information needed, let alone to do continuously more research to make sure that what you're uh, giving back to those that, you know, request your services is even better. So that's actually pretty intriguing. Yeah, it, it is pretty amazing. And, and you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about honestly working with Matthew and Marissa both and at Pin for Hire is that we had like when we were going through this and and uh, and, you know, writing the book and, and like my weekly meetings with them, we mm -hmm. would get into these big discussions about the subject matter, you know, <laughs> and and you'd get even more feedback then. You know, and I love getting feedback from other people like you throw your thoughts out there about it and your re and what you've researched. And of course, there are varying opinions in research about some of these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you put it out there and then you have discussions with people and see how it lands for them and how their life experience, you know, do, what part of that does it reflect back to you? You know, what what part of that, you know, really stands out to them about that research? And, and you get really good feedback that helps you know how you're going to, how to put this message out in a way that is going to help more people. Hmm. And when you were going back and forth with uh, Matthew and Marissa, did you ever feel like you had more clarity at times? Like you went in to the meeting with one way of discussing it, but as you talked it out, as you explained the thought process, you realize, oh, you know what? It's actually a little bit more this way. Now that I'm actually saying it out loud, it sounds a little bit better to go in this manner. Yes, there were definitely some times that happened. And there were some times that they said to me, you know, Mac, this part of what you're talking about is so powerful. I think you need to spend a little more time talking about this, mm -hmm. you know, because this is really going to touch people. And and that stood out. You know, that was very helpful to me to get that feedback. Do you think at times it might be difficult when somebody is giving you pointers on your baby to take that that? <laughs> that advice and and be like hey hold on now wait a minute who got the lesson plan here okay i think yeah. i know what we should be focusing on here well you know one thing i've been a teacher for a long time because my background is in the martial arts and i started when i was six and i'm in the martial arts hall of fame i've been this over 50 years now as a martial arts martial artist and teacher you know i've been teaching a long time and one of the things I always tell people is anybody who tells you they they have it all figured out, you should run like hell from that person. Because, <laughs> because because even though I'm I'm considered a master teacher in the martial arts, I'm still a forever student mm. uh, of life, of the martial arts, of every part of it, you know, of 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 studying how to walk in this world. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely figuring people out because, <laughs> you know, they're all different. Right. Right. So. Right, right. Yeah. And so there's not one set answer, you know, so I think we have to always be willing to look at different, different, see different ways of looking at things because that's just, that's just, that helps us grow, helps mm -hmm. us keep an open, an open mind is keeps us healthy and young. You know, I'm definitely not somebody that has a set mindset. Like I have all the answers. 
Oh, that's actually that's actually pretty intriguing because when you mentioned when you mentioned that you know books are pretty much like your baby, it immediately yeah. made me think you know because when you when when you're raising kids and stuff like that, if somebody gives you like, hey, maybe you should do this instead. As a way, hold on, now this is my child. How dare you? How dare you give me uh, advice on this and that? So that's actually pretty important, you know, especially the way that you coined the forever student. Uh, because if yeah. you are writing, you know, somebody else's, you know, one cent or maybe just one or two words of advice, like, hey, what do you think about, you know, speaking about this or, or you know, emphasizing or going off on a tangent on this particular topic? It might have just been one sentence on the lesson plan that you decided, hey, you know what, I think we need to make that like its own individual chapter. We need to focus right. it, you know, even more so. So that's actually so pretty, pretty cool that the that the individual who has been, you know, 50 years in the martial arts realm is completely a, a forever student. And, and I actually want to touch base on that. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by pen for hire. Sometimes writing a book can be the easy part, taking those raw word processor documents and turning them into visually appealing pages that are compliant with independent publishing standards can be a daunting task. Don't trust your finished product to just anybody. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. When you take your expertise in one field and you translate it over for being a martial artist now to being a author, as well as already being a speaker, do you sometimes see or feel that it's a little bit easier to transition those skill sets because you've already encompassed a high threshold in a different skill set? Oh, definitely. I think so many of the life lessons I learned from my years in the martial arts, they're they're part of what's in this book. You know, mm. you learn you learn so many skills if you have a good dojo, good martial arts teachers, um, you know, about life about how to navigate difficult situations, about, about just change your perspective when you're looking at something, see it from a different angle. When you talk about martial arts and you talk about Aikido, I was on the U.S. karate team for many years, but I also have a six-degree black belt in Aikido and an eighth degree in jiu-jitsu. And when you change angles, you change angles when you look at an attack, it, you see something totally different. And so I look at that in life all the time. I just changed my perspective by taking a couple steps to one side or the other, you know, and, and I see something very different than I saw standing where I was at the beginning. So I've always remembered things like that, you know, and that I can always learn, even as the teacher, I can always learn from the student if I keep my mind open and I don't, you know, some people tie their belt in the martial arts and their head swells. Well, they tie their belt too tight, you know? <laughs> Oh, man, we all oh. still have things to learn, you know? <laughs> oh, man, I completely understood that reference. Yo, yeah. Yeah. wow, that, that is so intriguing. And wow. And uh, how important do you think it is to take advice as when you're in the creation process, although you already said you're a forever student and you got some feedback, but how important do you think it is to take that critical feedback you know, the things that you might not a want to hear or b when somebody doesn't like something, whether it's a, a negative commentary or whether 
it's something that's critical of of how either you're structuring it, the theme yeah. that you're going for. How important do you think it is to even if you don't agree with it, just mm-hmm. to listen to it and and just let it resonate? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Sometimes if I feel myself, you know, when I get like criticism or you know like mm-hmm. constructive criticism even which is what what would happen you know with matt with matthew working with the team you know and if i feel myself tighten up a little bit like you know you feel your body tighten because that's like ouch that hurts a little bit right yeah, yeah yeah you know like maybe you're you're repeating this too much or you're talking about this too much you're you're you know <laughs> okay so what i usually do with that what i've learned to do is to just sit with that a little bit not react mm. not be reactive just mm. sit with that until I relax. And then I really look at it, you know, and, and in a more relaxed state, not like in the ouch state, you know, <laughs> I take, take a breath back up a little bit and look at it. And, and, you know, the people I work with and collaborate with, I know have my best interest at heart. That's one of the things that is important. You know, when you collaborate with people, you want to do that with people that have your best interest at heart. Mm. And, you know, that's one of the things I teach about creating healthy friendships is you want to do that with people that we all want each other to thrive. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not in Mm -hmm. competition with my close friends. I want you to thrive. I want to do whatever I can to help you grow and thrive and have a great life. And you want the same for me. Now that's a good, that's a good friendship right there. Hmm. And that's the kind of people you want to spend time with. And those are the kind of teams I work with. And so that's what I felt working with, with this team. And then when you were pretty much, you know, released the book and you had individuals, because if you guys check out on Amazon, there's five stars. So (laughs) definitely, you know, check them out. When, when you release this and you had that, that, that book finished, what, what was running through your head from, you know, going through the lesson plans to, you know, the year that you, you were actually going through the process, the weekly meetings, and now you had that completed and, and not because you, you did it for selfish reasons, but for selfless reasons, what was running through your head once the job was done, the mission, the goal that you had as hand, at hand was completed. Well, it was like hustle, hustle, hustle to get this, you know, to promote this, like, right. To get it into that right hands of the right people mm. and, you know, and, and get people like right now I'm pushing, you know, it's only been out like five months now, but get people out there to, to, to give this, you know, as a gift for the holidays, because, Hey, we've all got enough t-shirts and new, new socks and, you know, new ties. I mean, you know, give, give, give the guys in your life something that'll help them thrive and grow and something that's lasting, you know, and, and that's what I hope, you know, it's just, I really want this to get out to help more people. It's to me, it's more about, you know, getting this message to people to help them, to help them thrive and have a better life because I'm tired of all that old crap and old messaging that we've been fed holding us mm-hmm. back. You know, I was raised with that old messaging in the Bible belt, in the old fashioned, you know, you know, put women down, men are the head of the house, you know, all this kind of messaging that is just toxic and it, mm-hmm. and it's, and you know, it's just not healthy for us. It's not serving us well. 
And so I want people to thrive. I want people to realize that as adults, we have a choice to look at that old messaging we were fed about who mm-hmm. we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to walk in the world and make healthier choices for ourselves in our lives. And so your underlying goal is to make sure that those are viable options and that they're pretty much not giving like a one size fits all messaging. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It To me, it's empowering to tell people you have the power to go back and make choices about your belief system now as an adult. Yeah, we were fed a lot of stuff as kids, right? That we didn't have control over. But now we're adults and we can make choices for ourselves. And, you know, that's part of what I encourage people to do in this book, to go back and look at the messaging they were fed and the modeling they had around what it is to be a man and to make some some more modern, healthy choices for themselves and their families. Hmm. And ultimately, do you believe or feel that it was worth the effort? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm already starting on two other books. <laughs> you jumping ahead of me. I was going to ask you what's coming up. You're supposed to wait for me to ask you what's next. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's okay. What? All right. You got to tell us what, what, what you got coming up. Well, my wife is in her, she's in her doctoral program right now for psychology. And one of the chapters in the book is how to be a masculine feminist, because mm-hmm. I actually do believe there's a lot of men in the world that want to support women that have a lot of women in their life they love and want to lift them up, but some of them aren't sure how to do it or where to start. So we're, we're writing a whole book on that now about how to be a, how to be a masculine feminist, feminist, how to support women in a healthy way. You know, I believe that, that a lot of times we've been fed messages that teach us scarcity, Mm. kind of like success and happiness is like pie. Now my Nana used to make a great peach pie. Oh, and no, I love pie. <laughs> I like, see, I'm going to get into you. I love pie. You know, I'm from the South. I love pie. Oof. But happiness and success is not pie. In other words, if I share a piece of pie with you, you know, it's not like I'm going to have less pie. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of the times the way we think of happiness and success. Like if I share some or help promote you or lift you up, it's going to take something from me. Mm. And that is not the way it is with happiness and success. I can lift you up and help promote you and do things to help you. And it doesn't take away from my success and my happiness. And so if we're secure in who we are, we can lift women up and it doesn't take a thing away from us. And we can lift each other up as brothers and it doesn't take anything away from us. Right. Wow. You're just dropping a whole lot of value and truth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we just have to, we just have to, that's another thing of looking back at that messaging, right? A lot of us were taught we have to hoard it up for ourselves because we're Mm -hmm. afraid there's not enough. And that's not true. Man. And you, you just came on and you just gave us so much value. I do want to give you the opportunity to let everybody know where they can support you, not only for your books, but also for your speaking roles and anything else that you have that you want to promote. So that way, those that are listening that understand the message that you're putting through that support you or those new individuals that have no idea where they can support you, uh, free, free, feel free to let them know where they can go to help you or just to give you some support. I appreciate that. Here it is. Positive masculinity. Now, right there, you can buy the book on Amazon. It is available in Kindle and in print. 
and I'm actually going into the studio next week to start recording the audio version mm. of the book. So I'm very happy that'll be released probably in February or March of next year. Very excited about that. Also, you can go to our website, positivemasculinitynow.org. And I have all my workshops on there that I teach. I also do coaching and I speak to groups and, you know, all over the place, whether it be your faith group, bookstores, your corporate group. Yeah, I do these workshops all over. Oh, okay. And that's where they can go to book you on your website? Yes. PositiveMasculineNow.org. We also have a great, we released a few months ago, a great blog section on our website. We have different contributing writers. And there's also a place on there where you can write a blog for us. It gives you all the blog guidelines because we love to hear different perspectives on this stuff. And we have all kinds of blogs on there. Everything from People writing about their relationship with their fathers and how that has affected them, you know, to, to masculinity in sports. We have like blogs on them on quite a, a few subjects. So it's interesting to check out our blog. Hmm. That's actually pretty, pretty intriguing. And if somebody, if you could only give somebody one takeaway from your book, just one takeaway, what would it be? It would be that you have the power. You have the power to create your own belief system. And the question I would ask is how much of your thinking is really your own thinking? Mm. Or how much are you just carrying forward that you were fed as a kid that you haven't really thought back through as an adult? Hmm, that's a that's a really powerful key takeaway. Oh, that's, that's so intriguing. And, and last question, I do have to ask this question. What was your favorite process of this whole ordeal from looking at you needing to make a difference and wanting to uh, get together with your friend and get the lesson plan going up until now marketing your book? whether people are giving you, you know, rave reviews, you're collaborating with your friend who's no longer here, meeting down with Matt and his team, beta readers, editors, uh, people, you know, booking you for that, for the books and stuff like that. What out of all these mm -hmm. options, and I know there's got to be a way more options. I'm just, just throwing a little, little, yeah. little options. Out of all these mm -hmm. options, which one is the one that made you say, this is the reason I did all of this. And it's definitely worth that effort, all that time, all those resources, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that you poured into it. It was worth it. Well, you know, you're going to get to the, the heart of it. I would have to probably say my time with my friend Drew that passed away, that started this with me and him and I, you know, creating these lesson plans together and talking through experiences in our own life. Mm hmm where we had both wonderful models of, of some healthy masculinity. And, and we also shared some pretty tough stories of how we had, you know, some, some models that we definitely don't want to emulate and carry on. Mm. We shared some really personal experiences that we both went through with that. And I think that, you know, those times with him, I would have to say are, are probably, yeah the best memory well that's that's pretty amazing because that's literally the reason why you decided to do 
all of this was because of that inspiration, that conversation uh, that yes. gave you the drive and the force to continuously con do all of this. I want to thank you, Mac, so much for uh, giving time out of your busy schedule, uh, dropping so much bombs. We completely understand why you are called the gender sensei, the forever student. We can go on on these nicknames <laughs> because you have right, rightfully so earned it. If you, anybody there that listened, if you liked it, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Check out Mac. Look at his website. Look at the message that he's pushing through. And Mac, if you have anything, once again, to let anybody know, the floor is yours. Well, you know, we have a monthly virtual workshop that we do. At, look at our website. You'll see uh, we are skipping December because of the holidays, but we have one coming up in January. So you can look, look at that. And every second Tuesday of the month, we have our free virtual discussion group for anybody that's masculine that wants to jump in. And what we're doing in December is about a gratitude practice, having a gratitude practice and how that can help your life. Well, you heard it from the the gender sensei. Definitely check him out. It has been a wonderful, wonderful dissection of your uh, process. What uh, led you to create this book and this movement? Other than that, it is Nico Pingan for Pen for Hire and Mac McGregor with another amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Mac, and take care and have a great rest of your night. Thank you, Nico.